Wait, before we talk about anything, I feel like I don't know if other people will be able to hear this, but do you hear the rain? It's rain. It's raining here. It hasn't it rained raining. here in like six weeks. It's okay. Do you know? I don't. I'm so oblivious. I have. Do noticed. you not pay attention to the weather? It is so hot and dry here. I think you could set me on fire. I feel like it's rained in Tallahassee. No. No? It ha- no, it is so dry. This is like a miracle. I felt like Noah when I woke up this morning. <laughs> like, it finally happened. But, you know, I don't leave my house unless I go to work. And then I just stay... I don't... Like, there's no windows. Oh, you don't look outside. No, I'm outside maybe about 20 minutes a day. Well, I just wanted to acknowledge that... I don't know if people can hear it. Mm. I don't know what the mic picks up. But it is raining. And it sounds so beautiful. I do like rain. I love to read in the Oh, rain. me too. Agreed. Um, okay, so we were going to talk about... Oh, we were going to talk about the politician. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I'm like... I'm only like... Uh, I'm only at one point. I love it. How are you about Ryan Murphy? You I love like Ryan Murphy. Okay. Listen, I... Wait, this is a quick important little... I have watched every episode of Glee except for the last one because I am saving it for whenever I rewatch Glee with my children if I ever have them. <laughs> and I love American Horror Story. I loved his first show, Popular. There's all these little, like, uh, different shows that he's, like, done that he, like, didn't get picked up and I've seen all the pilots for them. I am obsessed. Okay. Anyway, back to Politician. Um, yes, I also... I just... I love Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, man. She is being used to her full potential. Like, because I don't actually know what I think fully of Gwyneth Paltrow as an actress, Mm -hmm. but when she plays these roles, she's played them in Wes Anderson films before, when she plays this kind of like quirky, slightly standoffish, aloof... Her husband is one of the writers of The Politician. I did not know that. Yeah, and he also... Her new husband. Yes. Newish. Yes, and I think, well, because I think that, because he worked with her on Glee, and then... I think that because he knows is her... Is that how they met? I think so. Did you... Okay, Olivia's been loaning me her People magazines that she inexpe- inexplicably <laughs> has been getting mailed to her, and so she gives them to me, and I saw a picture, you know, like, spotted, and it was, mm. like, Gwyneth Paltrow, her husband, and then Chris Martin and his wife all vacationing together, and I was mm. like, why, everybody? Like, is that is that typical, or is that just celebrities being celebrities? I don't know, but like, but listen, like, I can't say anything because I literally, you know, I have, I'm trash. So I'm like, here for it. I'm like, oh, like, let me, let me go with you. Like, <laughs> I just was so intrigued. I mean, no judgment. I guess that's yeah. what conscious uncoupling is. Like, you oh, can that's still right. Be conscious uncoupling. Yeah. That's right. You can still hang out. But I yeah. just saw that picture and I was like, wait a minute. What? Yeah. Okay. Oh, so wait, I'm wait, sorry. You're fine. Chris Martin is dating or married to Dakota Johnson, which is also why it was weird. Oh my gosh! Yeah, they're together. Oh, now I'm like, I'm like, I just got goosebumps. Literal goosebumps. He really does. Listen, I'm obsessed with Dakota Johnson for some reason. Did you see she got rid of the gap in her teeth on accident? I am very upset. She's very upset. Well, we are upset together. (laughs) Like, this is a, this is a trauma. Um, But no, yeah. Quit, we're tracking, oh, politician. Yeah, sorry, Zach. (laughs) Ben Platt singing River. Oh, my gosh, it's all I needed. I literally, I'm like, emotion, like. I hope they make it a single, first of all. I need to find that on my Spotify now. It is like, I, like, I, it's very tonally weird, but but I like that. Well, it felt, so, okay, there have been a lot of, like, complaints, I think, about The Politician. I really liked it. Um, Jordan and I were big fans. We binged it in, like, a day and a half, Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, But it is weird because there are parts of it that you're like, wait a minute, this episode is super funny. Wait, this episode is super tense. And then there's also some music thrown in because Ben Platt sings, and so you Mm -hmm. have to take advantage of the fact that he can sing. Um, 
And so I don't really know that it belongs mm-hmm. that he sings, but I'm here for it anyway. Same. I didn't care. Also, I just love his like tucked in sweaters. Like I'm just here for the it. whole like, aesthetic of the show. I'm here for yes. like it's kind of '70s feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Jessica Lange as oh man, like what is her name? <sighs> the oh, I don't remember Mimi or Ma- whatever something. the grandma. Yeah, yeah, the grandma. Yeah. Um. Then it took me a hot minute to realize that Zoe Zoe Deutsch. Deutsch yeah. Um. From Set It Up. <gasps> oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. What? Yes, it's her. And she's got this high squeaky voice. You know, like, she's because yes. she's using this high squeaky voice, which reminds me of Joey King in that Hulu show. Yes. Anyway, there's a lot happening, mm. but I was here for all of it. Same. I really liked it. Um, wait till you see the last episode. There are some performances you'll be very excited about, I think. Uh, I'm thrilled. I'm excited. Well, because I hope they continue this. because uh, I think they... They, they for sure, yeah, they like, for sure are going to do a season two, I think, because the last episode really sets it up. Okay. So, oh, I can't wait to hear what you think. I'm excited. Welcome to episode 245 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and today I'm joined by... Hunter McClendon. Um, at... Oh, I'm not even good at this anymore. Um, you can find me at Shelf by Shelf on Instagram, shelfbyshelf.com. I do book reviews, book bloggy things. Um, I also just post pictures of myself because I'm obnoxious. We knew you when. We knew you before you were book famous. Before I was Shelf by Shelf West? Yeah. <laughs> uh, somebody uses Shelf by Shelf West. Wait, they do. Like somebody who follows us and they were like, gotta give Annie t- um, props for my, it's, I think her name's Angie. Hi, Angie. I think it's Angie. Oh, somebody from Texas, I want to say, uses uh-huh. Shelf by Shelf West. So you and Angie are going to have to go at it when, you start, your, it when yeah. you start your literary <laughs> festival. <laughs> um, okay, so we're here to talk about, and we really didn't. We're just diving in. We yeah. really, we didn't really plan this, so this is going to be a free flowing conversation about East of Eden. Mm-hmm. Because help remind me, it was between this and Middlemarch. Yes, maybe we'll do a survey today too, because we have to do another one of these yeah. like soon. Um, but we ultimately voters really decided, mm-hmm. um, and voters decided on East of Eden, mm-hmm. um, which I had never read, and you had not either. No, I've only read um, of Mice and Men. Okay, I have never read of Mice and Men. Okay. I've read Travels with Charlie, which okay. I adore. I've heard of it. <laughs> somebody weird. actually said. Wait, just a quick side. Somebody actually mentioned because I was, I mentioned that they're they're like. Just a quick side note: there was a little bit of racist thing, racist w- words There's in here. There's some racist terminology, yes. circa somebody, whatever year this was. But somebody said that he addresses a lot of such stuff with racism in *Travels with Charlie*. I I just remember checking that book out from the library in Tallahassee, like as a young twenty-something on a mm-hmm. whim, don't know why. Um, really liked it. Yeah. And I read *The Pearl* in high school uh-huh. and loved it. Yeah. So I am interested in John Steinbeck. I don't know if I just. This was never assigned. Contrary to popular belief, I was not an English major. It's also big. And it is big. Like, it is big. It is, what, 600 pages almost exactly. Like, big classics yes. are much different than, like, big now. Yes. Um, however, let's talk some initial thoughts. Okay. So I do want to, you lightly address it, we should acknowledge that this book was published in 1952. 19- okay, that's what I thought, 1952. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so there are terms in here that we in 2019 no longer use, right. rightfully so. Um, so when you read a classic like this, go into it knowing yeah. that there's some problematic language. Yeah. And there you go. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't know what I think to that's say all, about it. I like, think that's all I wanted to know going in was like, if like... It, like, let's address it yeah. let's say that it's occurring let's yeah. also acknowledge as we do every time we discuss books together like mm-hmm. you and I are both white yes <laughs> and so please know that we're coming at these conversations from a different a certain angle mm-hmm. um, we discussed the goldfinch a month ago mm-hmm. or two months ago almost two months ago yeah um, and so looking back there are things we didn't talk about right. um, well, which we weren't really aware of at yes. the time but since then like we've yeah, yeah, I think we've both read articles and we've had conversations yeah. with people. And so I stand by my love for the goldfinch. Same. I really do. Um, but acknowledging, I probably read it with my my human lens, my white people lens. Yes. And so I ignored some things. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, the goldfinch, I think, was an interesting thing to read right before this. Mm-hmm. Because they both are very epic stories yes. to me. And despite their page length, I was never bored. No. Truly never bored. Yeah. Now, did I need... Um, John Steinbeck writes beautifully about the Salinas Valley. Mm-hmm. That is not always for me as a person. Right. <laughs> like, there were moments where I was like, I, I see what we you're doing. We get it, It's John. beautiful, but also like, pick up the pace. Yes. Um, but I think that's because he's really setting up the land as a character into its own. Well, and he also said that he was writing it as like a tribute to his sons to understand like his love for the Salinas Salinas Valley. Where he came from. Yes. Right? Because I think he is from there or lived there. Yeah. Born in Salinas, California. Um, Okay. So just go into this book. If you've not read it, go into it knowing this book was written in 1952 and some of the language and attitudes reflect that. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't mean it's not problematic. It's still problematic, but just... It was written in 1952. Yeah. Um, what else? The page count is high, but don't let that... I would say don't let that deter you. No, because... And also, I, like, went back and forth between reading and audiobooking. Oh, okay. The audiobook is actually really good. Oh, good to know. Um, do not listen to it while at work. Because, because that's <laughs> that how I... That problematic language. Yeah, that's how I found out about it. Well, and that may be even why you noticed it even more than I did. Mm-hmm. I did notice. I mean, there's some usage... There's usage is of some words that are extremely offensive. Mm -hmm. As we have talked about, me and Chris have talked about it before too, some things in books I accidentally skim. And I don't mean to. I mean like sexual encounters Mm -hmm. or some things my brain truly, it's like my brain flips right over it. But when I listen to a book, I am a lot more aware of sexual content, of language. (laughs) This is so funny. My mom read... um, This is just an example. I adore my mom. She and I are very different readers. Um, But my mom read Mary Laura Philpott's book. Uh And I was like, oh my gosh, mom, what did you think? Like, I just knew my mom was really going to appreciate some of the type A tendencies. Like, I just knew she was going to love it. And she was like, it's good. The language is a lot. And I was like... (laughs) Wait, is there like I had no recollection, mm-hmm. truly none. And then I opened the first page, Mary Laura, if you're listening, I opened to page one or two or something, and there's the F word, and I was uh-huh. like, oh, well, mom, you're correct. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. my brain just moves right over it. And sadly, that is also true for racial slurs or racial terminology. I don't know that my brain fully picks up on some things, mm-hmm. but when I'm listening to it, I am a lot more aware. And so I suspect if you were listening to it, yeah. I don't know if you're the same. 
no, in terms I, well, of reader. I think in my mind that like anything that makes me, un- I'm not gonna lie, anything that makes me uncomfortable, I do realize I have a tendency to like skip. Yes. My brain just says no. Yes. And like when you're listening, you are confronted with it. Yes. And I think that probably in an important way because yes. I'm, I'm not saying I should skim over those right. things. I'm saying my just like my brain skips sexually offensive content or mm-hmm. language I don't use in my real life. Like yeah. it's like it doesn't resonate with mm-hmm. me now. There are some racial slurs and terminology that my brain immediately like. It's like our brain is trained to know this is offensive. Yes. And there are there were multiple instances where I looked and I was like, okay, 1952. Mm-hmm. All right. Like like I had to like remind myself, okay, like this is because it was startling. And so yes. then I imagine if you're listening to it, it's doubly startling. Yeah. Well, and also I I'm not gonna lie. I looked up to see when the gold when no when To Kill a Mockingbird was yes. released because it's it's not that far later. No. It's 1960. Yeah. And it's funny to see like it's funny to see like how the conversation changed so much within 8 years. Yes. Well, and I mean, I'll give Harper Lee some credit too where she lived. Yes. I think Definitely. It made a difference. Mm-hmm. Um and where she was from and where she was writing from. Mm-hmm. Um so okay, those are some things to go into it knowing if you haven't read it before. Mm-hmm. Um and also, yeah, acknowledging that these things exist. Yes. Go ahead. I was just going to say I need to know your I need, immediately need to know your thoughts on Kathy. Okay. Okay, I will admit to you that I tried not to watch your Instagram stories or read your posts because I was like, spoilers, not spoilers of the book itself, mm-hmm. spoilers of your thoughts. Yes. I prefer to go in these conversations kind of like learning as we go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did see some of your comments about Kathy. You and I are going to disagree about her. <sighs> now, here is what I will say. I do not find her to be villainous. Mm-hmm. I find her to be extremely complicated. Yeah. And I am going to give John Steinbeck some credit about that. I think I saw, and again, I tried not to read commenters, mm-hmm. um, and I tried not to read <laughs> your reviews, um, but I think some people were like, um, Kathy, oh gosh, what did somebody say? It was something about Kathy um, being villainized and John Steinbeck didn't know how to write women. Mm-hmm. I... I think there is some truth to that in this book. Like, there are not a ton of fleshed-out female characters. Mm -hmm. That being said, I actually thought, like, um, Sam's wife is a really interesting, kind of odd character. Mm -hmm. And I thought Kathy was incredibly well-drawn. I love Kathy, and I think... And all, like... I think my perspective was that I don't know if she would have been written as... I think that somebody could have... I think he did a great job of writing her as a... Like, creating the character. Yeah. But I don't know if it would have been written as a villain if it had been yeah. a woman writing it. Well, okay, that's what's so interesting. I didn't feel her as a villain. Right. I felt her as... Definitely... Oh. Did you get Gone Girl vibes? Like, yes, like, Amy. Amy. Yes. Yes, and I know you and Amy are tight. We like, are. Like... <laughs> you and Amy from Gone Girl... <laughs> Uh, really love each other. And I, from Kathy, I very much felt Amy from Gone Girl vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I very much, Amy, um, Kathy was hard for me because she made decisions I wouldn't make. Mm-hmm. But I also found her extremely compelling. Mm-hmm. And again, I actually thought Jane Steinbeck did a pretty good job of making her really layered. Yeah. She did not... I guess when you say villain, I agree that she's a villain. I did not find her to be a caricature of a villain. Right. Personally. Well, but he... Like, I think that he writes her... Like, he calls her a monster. And he yeah. calls... You know, he's, he kind of, like, writes her... Yes. With, like, a villain lens. Like, But you know, that's but, the narrator. Right. Right. Yeah. Yes. Like, that's... I would argue that's the narrator. It's not necessarily John... Steinbeck not knowing right. how to draw these women because I actually 
I mean, like I said, there aren't a ton of well-formulated female characters in this book. Right. But the ones that are there, I think are pretty interesting. No, and I think I think he had... I think he knew where he wanted to go with it. Yes. I just know that... I also think that a lot of the things that she's looked down on, I don't think people with today's current lens would yes. look... I mean, because there's... Because at one point she... Because she gets pregnant, and then she tries to get rid of it. Yes. And... Um, I don't, and I, and yeah, the doctors dealing with her is incredibly harsh yeah. and it is, uh, there are multiple points in this book. And I think this is the case when we read classics, right? Mm-hmm. There are multiple points where you're reading and you're reminded of what year you're in. Uh, like, uh, if Phil Street could talk with the drinking and yes. the pregnancy. Yes. yes. Like there's just a lot. When you read classics, just know, like you're reading, uh, you're reading a snapshot in time yes. and there are major issues with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so be aware of it. And that's not just the case in some of the racial language in this book. I think some of the um, language that's used about um, she works in prostitution, she works uh-huh. in these houses um, of ill repute, oh, and <laughs> and they the descriptions of their. I think if I'm not mistaken, there are three homes, three. Uh-huh. Um, what do we call those? Three oh. houses. Yes. <laughs> like sure. three, three homes <laughs> belonging to three different prostitutes mm-hmm. and three different madams. Yes. Um, and they each have a different vibe and a different mm-hmm. flavor I guess um, and some of the language used to depict those homes is very different from I think what our 2019 sensibilities mm-hmm. would say um, I so I think there is some of that language and yeah when she has an abortion or tries to she, she tries to have yeah. an abortion and it does not succeed those are real sirens for us I I think sometimes um Listeners have said, can you explain, can you clarify when they are sirens? Because they are in their car. Mm-hmm. Guys, those were our sirens, not yours. Don't pull over your car. <laughs> um, so let's see. When she attempts to have an abortion, the tone the doctor takes with her, I found incredibly intense and offensive. Yes. And yet, I'm glad because that's what 1952 looked like. I also want a real snapshot of what history in our country was. Yeah. Like, I also don't want to turn a blind eye to how women really were treated. Right. Um, I'm trying to think some other... You're right. Kathy... The narrator does describe Kathy as kind of a monster. Um, And I think Kathy is dealing with... I would suspect... Correct me if I'm wrong postpartum depression, yeah. some serious mental illness that never gets addressed. Mm-hmm. I think. Are yeah. we, am I? No, I think that's, well, yeah. And I think her own upbringing mm-hmm. plays a part in her, her poor decision making mm-hmm. and her, her real, I mean, her behavior is deplorable to me yeah. and to my sensibilities and to my worldview. Jordan and I just saw Joker on Saturday I night. Seen it. Okay. Okay. I'm not, this is not a stamp of approval for the Joker, (laughs) but what the Joker is trying to show of like how he became the Joker. Mm -hmm. I think we get some of that with Kathy. The, the author, the narrator is trying to show us Kathy from the beginning Mm -hmm. through Kathy. Like I was pleasantly surprised. We got to see Kathy through the whole book. Yes. I thought we were done with her about halfway through. No, I think, I think of all the characters that she has to me, the most interesting arc. And yeah. I think, I honestly do think she, I found her to be the most interesting character. She's the one I wanted to see the most of. Yeah. Like I don't, I, and he gave you that. Like yes. I was surprised. I honestly thought when she left their home, mm-hmm. I thought that was going to be all we heard of her. Mm-hmm. And I was stunned. Yeah. And guys, this really is for a classic. I was like, 
turn the pages quick. I yes. had things I wanted to know. Um, <laughs> and so I, I don't know if I told you this. Maybe I did. To read this, I divided it by how many days I had. Yes. And so I read it like a school book, which just filled me with such joy. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know why. It speaks to the nerd in me. So I would read about 40 pages a day. Yeah. But sometimes I would read more than that because I was like, uh, no, I've got to find out what's going on. Yeah. So you mentioned Kathy. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like we should quickly kind of, if other people are not familiar with East of Eden, I was not familiar with it at all. Yeah. So how would you give just a like real quick? Um, I, it's like, it's a generational story about, this is hard. It's a generational story. I'll tell you how somebody sold it to me and then. I was kind of glad they had. Um, so it's a generational story really rooted in the Genesis story. Yes. So the story of Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel yes. really is at the root of East of Eden. <gasps> so is Kathy Eve? That's what I think. Oh, I get that. Yeah. We're like, oh, Eve, <laughs> yeah. Kathy, yeah. women. Yes, I think, yeah, I, I oh. think so. At least in part. That's now kind I'm of, devastated. That's kind of how I read it. Yeah. Um, is the decisions Kathy is making mm-hmm. and the decisions Eve makes. Yeah. Um, okay, your favorite character was Kathy. Mm-hmm. Mine was Lee. I do think he's a great character. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. So Lee is this Chinese-American character. And at first, there are a couple of racial terms that I'm sure are what caught you off guard yes. and what caught me off guard. I really did think, am I going to have to spend this whole book with this Chinese-American character who's speaking in a very offensive way? And the audiobook has that. (laughs) And so at first I was like, um... So that was really startling to me. Mm -hmm. Here is, though, where I want to give John Steinbeck um, some props, and I also wasn't expecting this Mm -hmm. turn of events. So you're introduced to this Chinese-American character of Lee. He winds up being kind of a caretaker to Adam, Mm -hmm. Adam Trask and his two sons. Mm -hmm. Adam and Kathy are married for a time. Can I ask, are Kathy's sons Adams or are they cows? I think they're cows. Okay, I think they're cows too, but I wanted to make sure. It's a big book, so there's (laughs) like some things where I'm like, I'm going to have to double check with Hunter. Well, because he sees... Um, his brother's face in one of the... That's right, in one of the pictures. So, but Adam thinks they're his sons. Mm -hmm. Um, Kathy leaves because she cannot... She does not... She never wanted to be a mother. She tried to have an abortion. Um, She never loved Adam. And she goes and ultimately becomes a madam at one of these Mm -hmm. um, houses. Um, Adam is left to care for his two sons alone. Mm -hmm. He does not handle it well. Adam is an interesting character to me, um, who I did not find particularly likable or capable, Mm -hmm. um, but interesting nonetheless. But he's left with these two sons, and basically who comes, in my opinion, to save the household Mm -hmm. is this character of Lee, who's this Chinese-American servant, more or less. And he speaks in... I'm sorry, what was the term that they use in the book? Pigeon speak? Pigeon or something. Oh, God. I just, I was listening to that point. Yeah. But anyway, uses this, we would certainly call it offensive, like Chinese English Mm -hmm. mashup language Mm -hmm. that, again, like kind of your stereotypical. Like Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yes, very offensive. Mm -hmm. Until we discover that Lee is not speaking like that. He's speaking like that because he knows what his neighbors and fellow Californians think of him. Mm-hmm. And so he like gives them what they want, yeah. essentially, which I found to be very interesting. Yeah. I, like when he turns around and speaks to Sam mm-hmm. in um, in like 
modern American English language. Like, Mm -hmm. that would... I was like, wait a minute, what? And then I realized he was putting on Mm -hmm. because he knew that's what people thought of when they saw him. And Mm -hmm. so he gave them what they thought of. And I don't know what John John Steinbeck was trying to say with that, but I was very curious. I was like, oh, that is a turn of events. And ultimately, he... Uh, he uses modern American vernacular for the yes. rest of the book, really. Mm-hmm. But he'll occasionally pull out this mm-hmm. weird, not even, just in my opinion, again, kind of offensive. Yeah. Well, and, <coughs> excuse me, I also have noticed that I think that by the time by the time I like got a little bit further into the book, I, I saw what he was doing and I was like, oh, this is smart. But I think that, I'm not going to lie, I think I've gotten so used to the way that... Um, the way that newer books address, because I think that we address things in a little bit more of an overt way now and things are much yes. more subtle at a certain point. Yes. And so it took me a little bit longer because I was like, because that's a classic, classics. I mean, you did a little bit more work, I feel like. So, yes. So I think that in a way, I was waiting for a little bit more of an explanation than I got. Yes. And in a way, it's kind of like on me as like a, as a, as a reader yeah. and less on the author. But so I, so I think yeah, he does thing. not, he is not super upfront about it. And no. that's why I say like one minute I'm reading and I'm like, wait, this is Lee again. Like, uh-huh. and I just, okay. So there's that little part of his character that I just found super interesting that he mm-hmm. gave these, um, these kind of like farmer, like stereotypical American <laughs> yeah. males. He gave these white American men what they thought he was going to mm-hmm. be. But I thought he really, the way he spoke about his homeland and the way mm-hmm. he spoke about his the traditions and values he grew up with was really lovely. Mm-hmm. And then he, to me, becomes the voice of reason and thoughtfulness mm-hmm. and almost the moral, almost the moral character, like the kind of high ground in the mm-hmm. book. I don't know if you felt that way, but I did not expect him to become kind of this central figure that right. he became. Yeah. He stays throughout the whole book. Yeah. Um, like I thought he was going to kind of be this character, this servant character mm-hmm. who had no agency. Yeah. Um, and instead, I actually found him to have a lot of agency. Yeah. And why he winds up really loving the family. I was sad. I really did want him to go open his bookstore in San Francisco. Yeah, I thought that too. <laughs> and then he came back, and I understood the loneliness, and like he'd yeah. been with this family a long time, mm-hmm. so he wanted to come back and be with his family and help raise these boys. But I also I loved his relationship with with um, Adam's sons, Cal and wait, was it Cal? Wait, what is it? No, not it, Cal. It's uh, Caleb and nope. Cal is the oh, son. Cal, okay. Cal and Aaron are the sons. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, yeah. this Cain and Abel type. Yes. Yeah. And the brother's name is something else. Adam mm-hmm. and God, I can't remember him. No. I know, but I will say what I also find interesting is how this. Um, this book was criticized a lot when it first came out. Like, was it? I yeah. was hoping you would. You normally give me some history. He so like he thought this was like his greatest. I mean, he thought this is my best work I will ever do. This is what everything has led up. He to. didn't. He call it like the original book. He called yes. it something. Yeah, like the book he thought he called it the first book. Yes, and I and I think that's really interesting. And I and I, I and I can see why. I mean, it it reminds me a little bit of when I read Middlesex, and it has that grand sweeping mm. thing with intimate moments as well. Yeah. But um, it's just interesting because it wasn't well reviewed, well received. People thought that it was too um, overt in its symbolism within like it's uh-huh. like next to the Bible and stuff. And now all the things that were criticized are the things that people 
holds up high. Oh man, well you know me and you know what I like. <laughs> uh-huh. And so about halfway through the book, truly, mm-hmm. about halfway, which I think is on purpose, which is why I think he's kind of a genius. Mm-hmm. Um, but about halfway through the book, Sam, who is another, if we're talking about favorite characters, there's Lee and then there's Sam. I just, mm-hmm. in fact, I thought we were going to get his family because I kept waiting. Somebody had told me, right, mm-hmm. this is a retelling or a reimagining of the Cain and Abel story. Right. And so I kept waiting for these characters to show up. And it takes, I mean, well, it's 600 pages yeah. for a reason. So you get a lot of background on other families. And you mm-hmm. get, that's why it's an epic. You get the whole generational tale. Yeah. Um, but I really liked Sam a lot. And um, Sam and Lee are having this really interesting conversation about... Um, about the fourth chapter of Genesis and why Cain and Abel's sacrifices were received differently. Mm-hmm. You guys, my mind. <laughs> it was so beautiful. Yeah. And then it ties into the end of the book in like a really beautiful way. Yes. That is very touching. Mm-hmm. And so they have this conversation about why one was accepted and one and why one wasn't. And I'm going to be honest with you, as somebody who grew up reading scripture, I had this question for a long time. Like mm-hmm. I didn't understand why one person's sacrifice was not accepted. Mm -hmm. And even, like, people would tell me, oh, well, look at the New Testament, and you'll get your answer there. And it's like, no, not really. Like, (laughs) I didn't really get the answer (laughs) I was looking for. And they have this lovely conversation about what some of these words mean. Um, And they have this whole thing about thou mayest and this phrasing, which me telling you, probably you're sitting in your car or at your home thinking, what is Annie talking about? But in the book, it is so well done. Yeah. That conversation, which again occurs right in the middle, which I think is on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I just adored. And it, it's because I love books that weave in some kind of theology yes. or, I mean, that's, I'm sorry. That's just who I am as a oh, person. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's who I am as a reader for mm-hmm. sure. Um, so I just wound up really loving that. And, and Sam and Lee together, their interactions I just found really lovely. Mm-hmm. And Sam with, with Adam, I also found really interesting because Sam kind of wakes Adam up from being a crappy dad. Like, yeah. kind of makes him realize, uh, you've neglected your children. You haven't named them. Right. <laughs> like, that was, when I, when I like, it clicked that he had named them, I was like, wait a minute. I was like. <laughs> You're a terrible terrible dad like Mm -hmm. but he was grieving and he was distraught he'd lost his wife Mm -hmm. um she shot him on the way out like (laughs) listen she's gotta do what she's gotta do that's why there are amy from gone girl vibes for sure um but anyway he is he is struggling Mm -hmm. and sam basically comes over and basically looks at him and kind of shakes him out of it and it's like Mm -hmm. you have got to you have got to wake up and raise your kids um and so i really liked that and i i think that's because I read a lot of female heavy literature Mm -hmm. and I don't even know that that's intentional. That's just what I'm drawn toward. Yeah. Um, and really well drawn out, Mm -hmm. well articulated women characters. Mm -hmm. And I don't apologize for that. Like I'm thrilled to be that kind of reader and I like that kind of book, but I also feel really appreciative for a work of literature that paints men in a really interesting way. Sometimes Mm -hmm. not all the time. Sometimes in the book I read books, I read, men can be kind of one-dimensional or you talked about villains like or the bad guy instead i felt like all the characters in here kathy included as Mm -hmm. a female character all of them were really well done you can tell that he's like he really is a master yeah like i mean and even the dialogue i thought was still so 
it felt so natural, even yes. at this point in time, like yes. reading it all the time later. Yeah. Yeah. Like I did not find I did not find East of Eden <clears throat> to be difficult to read. No. And I was fully prepared to. Yeah. I was a little bit like, here we go. Like mm-hmm. and and I there were so many people who told me I was going to love it. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to love it for their sakes. Yeah. But I also was looking at the page count and I was looking at the calendar and I was mm-hmm. thinking, how in the world am I gonna read a six hundred page book right. in October yeah. that's backlist? That like yeah. <laughs> that I'm not gonna hand sell tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am so glad I did. Yeah. Um, what have we missed talking about? Listen, this is a big book, but you cannot cover everything. Like, yeah. But, uh. I guess one thing maybe we should address before we finish mm. is if you're waiting for like the big Cain and Abel moment, mm-hmm. it comes in a way I was not anticipating. Yeah. And I did not, I'm not going to mm. say I found it anticlimactic because I didn't. I thought, I think if he had done it any other way, it would have been, I would have rolled my eyes at, mm-hmm. oh yeah, just like the book of Genesis. Like I right. would have rolled my eyes and been a little bit like, it was get, subtle. Get your own material. It was subtle. And a lot of this book was that way. Mm-hmm. Um, where I'm glad somebody told me it was a retelling of the Cain and Abel story, but it didn't feel that way. Right. It, it felt original. Yeah. And go ahead. I was just going to say, um, you know, they were going to make a movie of this. I did not know that. It was going to be a two-part movie. And okay. it's, they started production in 2014, but then a lawsuit between the, the kids. like started, Steinbeck's kids? Yes. And Jennifer Lawrence was going to be Kathy. Yeah, and I, I and, I, and now I wonder who would have been the boys. Yes, oh, Juliana, my friend Juliana does that cast. That you know she does that yeah. casting books. So Juliana, if you're listening, we want you to cast East of Eden next. There we go. Um, so there's not has there not been a film adaptation of this at all? There was a film adaptation, but it's of like the second half of the book. Okay. Uh, but well, because it, it's a lot of territory. Yes. If we thought Goldfinch was a terrible movie adaptation <laughs> because it tried to cram in too much, I cannot Ooh. imagine. Right. Um, but you could probably limit it to. Adam, Kathy, and their, and then Cal and Aaron. That's what I think it is, and I think and it's mostly the second half of the book, and it's it's got what's his name, uh, the guy who died, James Dean. Oh, okay. Yeah. I would miss Sam's character. Mm-hmm. Um, truly, I just fell in love. Lee was the heart of this book to me, which is so weird because he's not a main character. Lee and Kathy, I'm with you. Like without yeah. Kathy, there's not a book, and without an antagonist, there's not really mm-hmm. a book. But she. Anyway, toward the end, the way some of these storylines are wrapped up, the way the Cain and Abel story plays out mm-hmm. through Cal and Aaron, um, the way that Kathy's story winds up, her story took this winding road. Who mm-hmm. does she... She goes by Kate toward the last yes. half of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I loved it. I really did love I did it. Too. I can totally understand. Sometimes you read a classic and you're like, why we can do better than this yeah but now i but i read this and i thought no i can understand this like like i will say this and this is not a slight towards some of the other class but like this was a classic where i thought yeah like i, th- I thought like sometimes like like i i, I appreciate the little women but like as far as the language goes the language was not sure. as impressive as i expected it to be just from like how much everyone praised it yeah the language in this is what i expected from yes and so that's... This is beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's exquisitely done. Mm-hmm. Um, and even even when you get slightly bogged down in the descriptions of the Salinas Valley, which I think are mostly at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, you persevere, and it doesn't feel like persevering, because, right. because you're very interested in the people he has created and the story he is weaving, mm-hmm. and his ability... This is why I did compare it to the Goldfinch a little bit. His ability to tell such a wide-ranging story. I mean, when you say generational, Mm -hmm. we really mean, like, deep generational storytelling here. Um, 
I think in 600 pages, it's actually pretty remarkable yeah. what all he was able to fit without me feeling bored or without feeling like, no, I need more. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think he gave us just the right... You can, I don't know if you can see all my little divots in all my... Yeah. All my rip because some of the writing is so beautiful. Yeah. Some of the lines, um, I don't know. Some of the lines I just really loved. So if you have not read East of Eden, I do think it's worth your time. Mm-hmm. Um, go into it knowing what year it was written, and some of the language reflects that. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I think a really beautiful, well-told story. Same. bottom of the barrel again started out strong but now we're coming up thin oh we've cast a lot with all the devils of sin oh my god oh my god oh my god but you did (laughs) yeah i i have self-diagnosed like low blood sugar and so and so i i like told olivia i was like i don't have three dollars can you buy me a truffle and I went in and got my own silver truffle. <laughs> just reached into I the just chocolate reached counter. into the chocolate counter and got my own silver truffle. Um, I think that's funny. That's funny enough. That's funny. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will do another backlist book club. This was volume five. We're gonna do our sixth book in November, so it's a quick turnaround. Okay. So we'll do um, we'll do some voting on hunters and my Instagram stories.